Hi there. Um, yeah, my name is Tim, um, one of the leaders of the church here. Uh, I belong to a family of um, Liverpool supporters. It's a joyful day. 7 0. 7 0? No. Um, <laughs> sorry if you're a Man United fan, I'm very sorry. Um, actually, one of the other things about me is I love Jesus. I, mean, I love Jesus. I, mean, I, I love who he is. I love what he does. I love the fact that his, his character, I mean, there's something about Jesus. There's nobody who's so uh, loving, so compassionate. There's nobody who's so merciful and gracious. No one who's so open-hearted. No one who's so forgiving. Actually, I love his actions. In, there's nobody like Jesus who, I mean, it's not only the kind of the miracles of, of, of healing and walking on water um, that are so amazing, but actually his actions of the choices that he made, the choices he made to stand up for those who are marginalized, to be alongside those who uh, just had no hope in life, his actions of even as he's nailed to a cross saying amazing words like, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. I, was, I, I so love Jesus because he's not just a, a one amongst many religious leaders. He is the Son of God. He was a human being who lived on this world, but he wasn't just a human being. He was God in human form. And, and I love the fact that God chose to become human like you and me. I love Jesus because he could have come with all his power, all his might. He could have come just to kind of to, to blast us with his presence, but he chose to come to serve us. Actually, come, he came and chose to, to die, to die a humiliating, what looked like a tragic death uh, with trumped-up charges and false accusations. And yet, as he went to that death, it achieved the most amazing thing in the whole of human history. As he died... He made a pathway. He opened a doorway for anybody, for anybody who would believe, opened a doorway to know God, to know what it is to have new life, to know what it is to be forgiven, to have all shame and guilt removed. I love Jesus because he chose to do that. I love Jesus because it wasn't just that he took away our wrongdoing, but as he came back to life, Actually, it brings a new power. There's a new power that can be in our lives, a new power that can change. Can even the most broken, the weakest, the frailest, the most evil, the darkest person, actually there's the power in his resurrection life to, ch to change us. I love Jesus. I love Jesus because I know that one day he's going to come back. And one day when he comes back, all the wrong things about this world, all the things that cause us pain and heartache, I know that one day that Jesus will return and he'll make all wrong things right. Somehow he'll bring justice and there'll be an overflow of, of light and love and God's presence. And there'll be no more tears and no more pain. And Jesus will be the one who wraps up history. I love Jesus. And I wonder whether you, you love Jesus. And it might sound strange. I'm not saying that I'm in love with Jesus. It's not a romantic thing. But there's something about him that just calls out my heart to say, I want to follow you. I want to be like you. I want to be with you, Jesus. As a teenager, I'm not sure if you can remember your teenage years and the angst of those years of where you were wondering who you were going to become. 
what, what is my life going to be? I remember as a, as a 14-year-old thinking, with my life ahead of me, what kind of person do I want to be? Who do I want to be like? And as a 14-year-old, I said, Jesus, I want to be like you. If in any way I could just be even a little bit like you, for Jesus to be a hero that I'd mold my life around, to see his example and see his words, to live by them, to, to see the kind of actions he had that was always serving, always reaching out, always loving, to shape my life around who Jesus is and what he does. Not only that, but to find there's a power. There's a power that I found in life that is a power that only Jesus can bring. It's not about trying to be like Jesus. Somehow, as he's my friend, as I welcome him into my heart and my life, actually there's a power to enable me to be more like Jesus, to live in this world with his compassion, with his kindness, with his power, with seeing some of the supernatural things. And that's why this month, leading up to Easter, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about Jesus. Because he's somebody who... We think, actually, whoever you are, whether you're watching online, whether you're here, maybe you're here as a guest, and maybe you've not given Jesus an awful lot of thought. But even tonight, if you were just to open your life just a little bit, a little bit towards him, I think you'd find there's a power and a love and a hope and a peace that maybe you couldn't have imagined possible. We're going to think tonight about this question, who is Jesus? Who, who is Jesus is the, the title. And, and I suppose, I mean, there's been many depictions through history of, of who, who Jesus is. Um, there's a few little pictures here from some kind of artwork uh, that uh, I think this was the first image back in the fourth century on a catacomb in Rome, um, beardy Jesus, kind of, uh, that was the, but there's, again, through history, whether it's Rubens, whether it's, actually, there's been many images of, and paintings of, uh, this is Jesus, something of, of who he is, the person, the man, whether there's been uh, films that have been written, actors who've portrayed parts, actually, this person, Jesus, what was he like? How do we understand what he was trying to do? How do we make space for him in my life? And tonight we're going to start that journey of saying, well, who is Jesus? And we're going to start um, at the beginning of, of Matthew's Gospel, and we're going to start with uh, John the Baptist. I'm going to start with John the Baptist, and you might think, actually, that's a, that's a strange place to start if you're going to talk about Jesus. Why, why John the Baptist? Actually, if, if Jesus truly was God, why did he need John the Baptist? I mean, if Jesus was God, actually, Jesus could have just shown up. He could have just turned up uh, and, and started his preaching ministry. But somehow, something needed to change, something needed to happen for in order for Jesus' ministry to be kick-started. Actually, something needed to change in people's hearts and people's attitudes. At the time that John the Baptist started preaching, uh, society was in, was in trouble. There was, there was a Roman invading army. There was kind of all kinds of stuff. Uh, maybe they felt there was darkness. There was peril around the corner, a bit like our world. And, and they thought there's something about this crazy preacher out in the desert. I wonder if there is something that could see my life changed. John the Baptist uh, says this in, in John chapter 1. He says this about the reason the reason why he came, uh, he says this, John the Baptist says, I myself did not know him, that's Jesus, 
But the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed in Israel. Actually, there's something that had to change in order that Jesus could be revealed in Israel, to be revealed to be the Son of God. Actually, something needed to change in, in the nation's heart in order to make space for Jesus. Actually, maybe for you to know Jesus in your heart, actually, maybe something needs to change. Maybe then there's some space needs to be made. I'm going to hand over to Rebecca, and she's going to tell us about uh, some of what John the, the Baptist said. And Rebecca's one of our young adults leaders. Uh, she's a wonderful woman. Uh, she's part of a learning community, the leadership learning community that I run. And uh, Rebecca, tell us about John the Baptist, what he said. Amazing. Thank you. Um, so to start with John the Baptist, I think we need to read the passage together. So I would love to get Matthew 3 up. Because um, in, the, in the context of Matthew 3, John the Baptist was calling people to do exactly that, to prepare themselves, to get themselves ready. Oh, amazing. Okay. Um, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee of the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear this threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized to you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Okay. So let's think about the start of the passage again. So in this context, John is preaching about the nearness of heaven. And actually, in the context in which this was happening, this was something that the Jews were waiting for. They had scriptures that were hundreds of years old um, that told them not only that John the Baptist was coming, but that Jesus the Messiah was going to come. Um, and that's why Matthew makes a point um, of quoting from the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, that is John the Baptist, prepare the way for the Lord and make a straight path for him. So forgive me because I work in film and TV, so I always think in terms of scripts, but I think this is like the first act of a script or the first chapter of a book. 
the scene has been nicely set. There's been all this lovely foreshadowing and all these clues leading up until this point. And John is basically saying to everyone, you know that moment that you've been waiting for and that all your prophets have been speaking about? It's about to happen. It, it's coming. And the first thing John the Baptist says is to repent. And then we're told that people from all around came to him confessing their sins and they were baptized in the Jordan River. Um, but it's probably quite important that we think about what those words mean as Christians. And why was that John the Baptist's message? Why was that the important preparation? Um, so forgive me because I, I'm a lover of words and I love geeking out over words. So I actually did look into the Greek word for repentance. Um, and there is a slide. If we could have that up with the definition. Amazing. Um, so the Greek word for repentance is metanoia, which translates as to change one's mind, or in a theological sense, it can mean a complete um, a change of heart. And then confession, that's just when we acknowledge that, that we've sinned, that, that we've done something wrong, and we come clean, we tell God. So what John is saying is, you know, prepare your hearts, because Jesus is about to come. Get ready. Now, you might have noticed that when the Pharisees and the Sadducees arrive on the scene, John gets a little bit feisty, and there's some pretty kind of brutal imagery that he's throwing out there. So I'm going to give you some context as to who these guys were. Um, so the Pharisees and the Sadducees were experts um, in the Jewish law, and they upkept the Jewish law, and they kept themselves quite, the Pharisees in particular, kept themselves separated. So they felt that they were set apart as God's people, and it was, it was their birthright. And Jesus was the plot twist that they were not expecting. So when John is challenging the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he's basically saying, you can't rely on your Jewish birthright and upholding the law. And then when he says, I tell you that out of stones, God can raise children up for Abraham, he's saying, you know, it's no longer just about the chosen Jewish people anymore. Everyone is going to be invited whether they have a history with God or not. And the people who are going to be identified as God's people are the people that have confessed and accepted Jesus. So it's almost like the Pharisees and the Sadducees were stuck in Act 1 still. And John's saying, look, Act 2 is about to happen. We're about to have a plot progression, and you're going to miss it. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Show me your change of heart. Show me that you're ready for the Messiah, for this Jesus spoken about in your scriptures, that you're ready for what is coming, for the kingdom of heaven. Now, I was reflecting when I was preparing this talk about the different representations of Christianity that we have in film and TV. And so often, I think they are presented a little bit like Pharisees and Sadducees. We're, we're often presented as really, um, you know, re religious, strict followers of all these rules and traditions. And unfortunately, in a lot of the dramas I watch, we're presented as hypocrites. You know, Christians that are putting on this really nice shiny face to the public and then sitting behind closed doors. And that is sadly, I think, how the world sees us a lot of the time. And sometimes I wonder whether the world is crying out the same cry that John the Baptist is. You know, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Can you show me that this faith of yours actually matters? That it means something and it's more than just following rules and a birthright? because we're not called into um, a life where we just keep laws and traditions, are we? And it's not just something we're born into. 
in those representations, they are missing the really key aspect, the part where Jesus completely transforms somebody's life because we are called into a relationship with Jesus. And that is mind-blowing. And God gave us free will. It means we're given a choice. I don't think anyone is here because their parents have forced them along and we're doing it just because our parents told us to. We're given a choice. And that choice starts with an action, with repentance, with that change of heart, with actually letting Jesus in in the first place. And I think, I mean, a lot of us in this room, we possibly are Christians already. Some of us might not be. And if we're Christians already, you're probably thinking, well, look, I, I did that a long time ago. I made that decision. I repented from my old life. I turned around. I acknowledged that I needed Jesus. I was baptized. I received the Holy Spirit. All done. Lovely. But as Christians, we're not immune to sometimes getting it wrong, are we? Or to messing up. And preparing um, our hearts for Jesus to do his thing or preparing um, for what is next is still relevant and still requires something of us. And it's often confession. And, you know, I, quite often you'll see me at the front in various contexts, maybe talking about the amazing way that God uses me. And that's all true. But I can also mess up spectacularly. And so often I've had to put my hand up and say, God, God, I messed up. You know, I got sucked into having a conversation about my colleague behind their back at the pub. And if someone walked into this chat, I don't think they'd even know I was a Christian. And I'm the only Christian my colleagues know, so that's not really good enough. Or I've let pride sink in, and I'm starting to think that all of my achievements make me better than others. Or, God, I've forgotten all the doors you blew open for me, and I'm starting to boast in myself rather than you. I am sorry. And the incredible news is that we are told that if we confess our sins, he is always faithful, he is just, and he will forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's in 1 John. And sometimes we might look at our lives and realize that we've actually gone very far in the wrong direction, that, and we don't even feel like we're reflecting God at all anymore, and we need to do a full 180 turnaround. <laughs> we need to repent. But to make it clear, this is not about living a life in constant guilt and shame. And I really hope the last three talks on shame has taught us that. That is not what I'm telling you. But it is about allowing God space to come and transform us. And in thinking about that, um, I was reminded of a story. So as a, as a Christian, I think if we leave things unconfessed, it can be really quite crippling. And I was reminded of when I had pneumonia when I was 13 years old. So I got it quite severely. I think I had about half a lung that was left, not filled with fluid and infection. So I could still just about breathe, but it was very, very painful and sore. Um, and I could still just about move, but it was very slow and very labored. And the funny thing was, I was absolutely determined that I was completely fine. <laughs> I was a very stubborn teenager. I wanted to keep going to school. I didn't want to miss Christmas. I was telling my parents, no, no, I'm fine. I'm absolutely fine. And I clearly wasn't. My lungs were not working to their full capacity at all. Um, and I remember there was one day I was struggling up the stairs and my parents were like, Rebecca, are you sure you're fine? And I grimaced and went, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely fine. They're like, it's taken you 30 minutes to walk up three steps. I don't think you're fine. I think we need to take you to the hospital. And they were right. 
And what I needed was for the doctors to treat the infection to get out all the gunk, all the fluid, so that the oxygen could pull back in again, and so I could function at my full capacity. And I think that's kind of what John the Baptist was asking people to do. He was the forerunner, preparing everyone for what was coming next. He's saying, come on, everyone, get your hearts ready. Make room. Repent, confess, because Jesus is coming, and he's coming with the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to invite Tim back to talk about arguably the best part of this whole thing. I mean, the, the reality is, as Rebecca said, there's, um, John is trying to say, I want to make space in this nation for Jesus to be revealed. And those two things, repentance and confession, are actually probably still the two of the same things that we need this evening. If we're going to make space for Jesus to be revealed to you, as I talked about Jesus at the start, you might think, I'm, I'm not quite sure if I see Jesus like that. Well, those two things, how do you repent? Repentance like Rebecca says, it's, it's a, a total change of mind. You're, you're going in that direction, and you, it's 180 degrees, and you're turning around. And maybe God's saying to you this evening, you need to turn around. You need to turn around. You're going the wrong way in life. Turn around. Actually, some of you have turned around, and confession's just hands up. Yeah, it was me. I was angry again. I was proud again. And no God's... Now, when we do those two things... John says, when Jesus revealed, here's what he's going to be doing. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. If we make space, even this evening, if we make space with Jesus, Jesus, this evening, if you repent and confess, actually, he wants to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, you might think, well, what's, what's that? <laughs> the fire? <laughs> well, actually, fire is to do with, with cleansing, Actually, I, I've, I, I, yesterday, I had the most spectacular bonfire in my garden. I've all the rubbish that's been collected for, for the best part of a year and a half was there. We've not had much rain in, in February. It was ready for burning. All this rubbish, just 10 minutes, blazing fire. It, was, it went. Actually, God wants to baptize you with fire. There's stuff in your life you know is rubbish. There's stuff in your life you know that, actually, I could have just left those broken branches and things around in my garden, and the spring flowers could have come up through, and it actually was it. But because it's been cleared away, rubbish has been destroyed. Actually, my garden is looking quite nice. Actually, the same with our lives. If we, if, the Holy, if, if we make space, Jesus will come, and he will baptize you. He'll dip you in fire. He'll purify you. He'll make you purer. He'll cleanse you. That's the promise. Actually, that, tonight we're going to pray in a moment. And tonight that, that could be for you. Actually, you may not. I've got rubbish in my life. I've got dross in my life. I've tried all kinds of therapies and treatments, and it's, it's still there. And if we confess, if we repent, the Holy Spirit, the, the, Jesus says he will come and baptize you with fire. There will be a forgiveness and a cleansing. But there's a baptizing in the Holy Spirit as well. And, and, and tonight we want to make space for Jesus to be revealed in your life. As we repent, as we confess, actually, he'll baptize with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is about empowering. It's about empowering you to live the life you generally wanted to live. In your, in your better moments, you think, here's the kind of life. I'd love to live a life like Jesus. I'd love to have the character that he had and, and do the actions and the, and the acts of compassion that he did. But I haven't got the power. And if we repent and we confess, we open the door to the Holy Spirit.
John says, the reason I come baptizing for repentance is that Jesus might be revealed. The reason that Rebecca and myself want to talk to you tonight is that we'd love for Jesus to be revealed in your heart and life. Actually, we'd love him to be revealed in, in you to know cleansing, to know empowering. In some ways, from me reading this passage, that's my heart's longing. I don't know, Rebecca, for you, if, if you were to say from this, what would you like people to get hold of tonight? What would that be? Ooh, okay. Well, I mean, I, I feel like as a church, we're going into quite an exciting season. And I don't think I'm the only one that thinks we're going to see a lot of growth soon. And I see a lot of people in our community very hungry for more of the Holy Spirit. But <laughs> what I'm finding, so I'm in between contracts at this time, and I've found that God has been really challenging me to get my heart ready. He's saying, Rebecca, if you've got anything unconfessed, get it confessed. If there's any part of my life that you're not letting me into, let me in and let me transform you. Because for this next season, for what I have next, I need you to be ready. And actually, if we want to live lives empowered by the Holy Spirit, and we want to see the Holy Spirit move powerfully through us, then we need to get our hearts ready. So I think my takeaway is it's asking ourselves as individuals, am I ready? And as a community, as a church, are we ready for what God has next for us. So we're going to take a chance to pray. I mean, it's a simple message, isn't it? Jesus wants to be revealed to you. He wants to be revealed in your heart. He wants you to know him and to, to love him. Actually, he wants a world that is desperate with cost of living, with strikes, with wars. Actually, there's a world that Jesus needs to be revealed and it could start tonight with you and with me, if we're prepared to repent, if we're prepared to confess, it makes space for Jesus to be revealed. So I wonder if we could do that. I wonder if tonight you're here, actually maybe you're here tonight and you, you may not say you're a Jesus-following person, but even tonight, in a kind of strange kind of way, you think there just seems to be a little bit of hope, a little bit of possibility, a little bit of something that what if it's true? What if Jesus is really who he is? And maybe you know that you're going in this direction your own way, and maybe tonight is a night where you make that turn around, 180 degrees, and you say, Jesus, for the first time, I want to follow you. For the first time, I want to find your forgiveness and your hope. I want to find a new kind of life. And if that's you, I'm just going to say a prayer and it's just a prayer that just simply says that. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to turn around to you, Jesus. Thank you for a gift that you're going to give to me that I don't have to strive for, I don't have to earn. But it's a gift that's freely given. It's new life. It's forgiveness. It's the Holy Spirit. And if tonight you're someone who think, actually, I, I would love to know a new kind of life. I'd love to know freedom that I don't know. And you're prepared to... Even now, just in your own imagination, turn around to Jesus. I believe that Jesus can be revealed to you tonight. So let's just say a prayer together. And if, if this is you, I mean, just close your eyes and just imagine that we had those images of Jesus, and I'm sure he, he didn't look like any of those. But just in your mind's eye, imagine that Jesus is standing there in front of you. Say, I want to turn to you. Actually, maybe there's people here and you know that you have been a Christian in the past, but maybe you've turned your back on Jesus. Actually, you've wandered away. I just feel tonight maybe there's some people here and 
and you're just make, about to make a financial choice. And actually, there's something about the financial choice that's just a little bit suspect, a little bit underhand. And actually, I think if God's saying, well, don't do it, turn around, repent, turn around. I wonder whether there's somebody here who you're kind of wondering whether you're in a relationship with somebody and not, they don't love Jesus and you do and, and you could head in that direction with them but you know that it's going to be away from Jesus. Although you love them and you care for them and you've got all those strong emotions for them, actually you kind of know in your heart that if you were to follow them, it's going to take you away from Jesus. And Maybe even tonight Jesus is saying to you, do you love me enough to follow me rather than follow them? And there's a, a repentance moment of turning around. So let's pray. Jesus, we realize, Jesus, that you come with an offer of new life and hope for us. We realize you don't barge your way in. You wait. And what you're waiting for is a change of heart, a change of mind. And I want to change my heart, change direction this morning, this evening, and come to you. I want to turn from my old way of life, turn from those bad choices that I have made or maybe even are about to make. And I want to turn to you, Jesus, this evening, to turn to you to find new life, to turn to you to find forgiveness to turn to you to find that you open a doorway to a, a brand new spiritual life where I can know God myself. I now turn from my old way of life and I turn to you, Jesus. I look in your direction and say that I want to follow you. I want to know you. I desperately need you. Will you please give me new life and your Holy Spirit? In your name, I make this request. Please now, will you come to me? Make your home with my heart and my life. Amen. Yeah. And when we, um, when we confess, when we repent, we make space for the Holy Spirit. So I'd love, as a response, actually for us to make some space. So if you're willing... I'd love you guys to stand with me now. And what I'm going to do, it might be that in that talk, certain things came up straight away and you're like, yep, I really want to deal with that. <laughs> but sometimes we actually need the Holy Spirit's help just to highlight maybe the parts of our hearts that he really wants to transform for us and he really wants to be let into so I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and actually encourage you, if you can, to put your hands out like this. There's nothing magic in it. It's just a sign and a posture that you're open, that we're open to what God would like to do. Holy Spirit, come. We welcome you here. We welcome you. And in the calm and in the quiet, just quietly bring your confessions to God if anything comes to mind. And we are told that when we do that, we are met with forgiveness straight away.
Bless what you're doing, God. Confession is quite a simple act. Mm. It's, it's just like putting your hand up and saying, it was me. It's no big struggle. It's no big, oh, well, I, I need to promise I'll never do it again. Confession is just admitting. And again, just in the quietness. Just to say, almost kind of put your hand up and say, yeah, God, it was me. This week, those words I said, this week, those thoughts, this week, those actions, it was me. I, I own those. And as we confess, God's faithful and just. And we believe now, he's actually, he'll, he'll cleanse you. He'll clean you up. He'll make you brand sparkling new on the inside without any shame, without any sense of, um, yeah, holding you back. Confess, admit, put your hand up to God. Allow him to cleanse you. Make space for Jesus. So we're going to go into some ministry time now. And it might be that things that you've brought before God, you would actually really love someone to pray with you over them. And that is, that is fine. And it's not about, we're not here to judge, but we'd love to just bless what God is doing in you already. I also think that there might be um, a group of people, I don't think I'm alone in feeling a bit of an, an urge for evangelism at the moment or feeling a bit of a, a firing up to go out and tell people. Um, and if that's you, if you felt like over the last few months, over the last few weeks, perhaps you've got a bit of a, bit of a passion in your heart for going out and actually telling people, um, then I think we'd love to pray for you as well. So I'd love to encourage you to come to the front. And actually, you can come, to, come for prayer for anything. So I'd love it if the ministry team could actually come to the front here. The band is going to um, play. And actually, if God is doing stuff, let that continue. <laughs> Don't move away from this space. The band will be playing over us, and we can worship. But don't feel like you have to rush away. Stay in the place. So if you would like um, even to confess to somebody, if you feel that it's kind of you'd like to be baptized with fire, there's a recurring something that you know the breakthrough, come make some prayer. Actually, if you feel that you are about to make a transaction, a financial transaction, and you think it might be a bit suspect, and you need God's help or a relationship you're embarking on, um, uh, Again, come down. if you want to become a Christian for the very first time, come down the front. If there's a prayer for healing, again, if um, you're here and there's somebody here and uh, you've uh, your right shoulder, um, I don't know if it's kind of been dislocated or there's something that's gone wrong, but actually it's really painful. It's, it's painful to lift your arm like this. And again, if you want some prayer for healing, do come and get some prayer for healing. And again, somebody where um, it, it kind of feels like you've got a, a, a metal band kind of just pushing on your forehead. Even now, if you come to church and you like some prayer for